0: And that is a wrap. This uh, today marks the uh, last day for teachers in Saint Landry Parish, and I think a couple other parishes in the surrounding area. So that's it. School is over. Went up to school today. Had to wrap up a few things myself. But that is that. that that's a wrap. I hope. I sincerely hope that uh, every teacher unplugs. Don't think about school. Get some time off. Get some time to yourself. And just enjoy the summer break. 232-1542 if you want to call in and be part of the program. I have to go back and start today like I started yesterday. There was a press conference in Uvalde, Texas that laid out the timeline of the shooting earlier this week at Robb Elementary School. I opened the show yesterday by telling you of the failures of law enforcement in this shooting, but now it's worse. I think just before I came onto the show yesterday, uh, Texas Department of Public Safety did announce uh, that there was no uh, there was no security officer at the scene. It's even worse. Let's start with the the big news from this press conference. Police didn't enter the school because the on-scene commander wrongly believed there were no more children at risk. They believed the shooter was in a classroom. There were no other children in the classroom and that the scene had changed from an active shooting to a barricaded armed individual. based on the information that they have now clearly that was a very bad assumption here is the timeline as provided by video that's been available and by the 911 records and again i'm sorry to have to focus on something so heavy but i want to continue with what i was saying yesterday 11:27 a.m. the exterior door where the shooter entered was propped open by a teacher at 1128 the shooter's vehicle crashes into a ditch a teacher runs to room 132 to retrieve her phone the door remains propped open two minutes later the teacher gets to her phone calls 911 to report the crash and a man with the gun the suspect at one at 1131 reaches the last row of vehicles in the school parking lot The shooter at that time approaches the school, shooting at classroom windows as he approaches and patrol vehicles arrive at the nearby funeral home. 11.32, multiple shots fired at the school. 11.33, the shooter enters the school, begins firing into one of the rooms. At least 100 rounds were fired. 11.35, three Uvalde Police uh, Department officials or officers enter the school through the same door, the shooter entered, quickly followed by three more and one sheriff's deputy. Three at, 11, at 1136, three officers are shot. As they approach the classroom, they fall back. In the next minute, the shooter fires 16 more rounds. At 1151, the police sergeant arrives. So a police sergeant arrives at the scene 24 minutes after the shooter does. At 12.03, additional officers arrived. There were as many as 19 officers at that time in the hallway, according to this Texas official. At 10.03, 911 receives a call from one of the rooms lasting one minute and 23 seconds. At 12.10, another 911 call from that same room, where 911 was advised that multiple were dead. At 12.13, another call from that room. At 12.16, a call from, room, from another room, an adjacent room, a caller reporting that there are eight to nine students alive in that room. At 12.15, members of Border Patrol's tactical unit arrive along with shields. 12.19, another call from the second room. The caller hung up when another student told them to. 12:21 the shooter fires again it was believed to be at the door of that room another call from to 911 another law enforcement official moved down the hallway 12:26 a 911 call from a student lasting 26 seconds also at 12:26 another 911 call from the same student reports that the killer shot the door and the student was told to stay on the line and be very quiet at twelve forty-six, the nine one one caller says she can hear police next door. At twelve forty-seven, a caller the caller asked nine one one to please send the police now. At twelve fifty, officers breached the locked classroom door using keys provided by the janitor. Eleven twenty-eight. The shooter's vehicle crashes into the ditch. Two minutes later, the teacher calls to report the crash and a man with a gun. An hour and 20 minutes later, police officers breached the room. With 911 having heard from mul- multiple times that the killer was still breaching a classroom where children were alive. and this is a very it's a tough situation it's a tough situation because there were lives lost and it could have been prevented the school district's officer was not on campus when the initial crash occurred. The officer heard the 911 call about the crash and a man with a gun near the school and sped to the campus, to the person he thought was the man with the gun, but that turned out to be a teacher. In doing so, this is a direct quote from the press conference today. In doing so, the ISD officer drove right by the suspect who was hunkered down behind a vehicle where he began shooting at the school. The shooter was outside the school for several minutes, firing into classrooms. Meanwhile, we have from video at the scene, police officers were detaining, arresting, and tasing parents that were trying to get to the school to get to their children. One police officer who was not waiting for orders to breach the school, went in and saved his own child and his wife, borrowed a barber's shotgun to breach the school and save his daughter and his wife. You cannot be mad at that because he did what he had to do to save the family while getting... Bad orders from leadership. We're going to take a quick break. I ran a little long there. When we come back, we need to talk about why the system failures are important here. On the Joe Cunningham show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. You know, this morning I was on Acadianus Morning News. Uh Ian was in. Uh Bernie was out this morning, but when I came in, uh Lafayette Parish Councilman A.B. Rubin was sitting across from Ian, came in, had a wonderful conversation uh, with Ian and and Mr. Rubin. And, you know, the conversation focused a lot on how to reach uh, our youth, particularly young men in the community. And, you know, what A.B. is out there doing is phenomenal work and, and I hope that his efforts uh, these Saturday night gatherings at Gerard Park and other initiatives I know he's wanting to launch I, I hope that those get off the ground because as we're seeing as more and more information comes out and the, the information is always worse in this case the information is so much worse a, a friend of mine who uh, who works for a, a media website, pointed out that we're, we're getting to the point where border patrol is about ready to turn on the Uvalde police because what Uvalde police did is they delayed the tactical team calling the the tactical team and then delayed letting them go in. And this is not a news story that's going away. You remember it, it? Even the Buffalo shooting didn't stay in the in the news cycle very long. The, the news cycle, kind of like the American voters' attention span, changes very quickly. We start focusing on new things. This is different. This was a school shooting. These were little kids. Some of the kids are, are the same age as, as my oldest, which is uh, hitting very close to home, uh, both as a teacher and as a parent. And the level of failure here, I, I mentioned the other day, you know, the, the shooter was known by acquaintances to cut his face with a knife just for the hell of it. Police were frequently called to his and his mom's home where they would have shouting matches and she was threatening to kick him out. And there are folks that that say there's allegations. She was into drugs and the, the shooter had had earlier this year um, or maybe it was last, maybe toward the end of last year had tried to talk his sister into helping him buy a gun and she flat out refused the dad was not present in the shooter's life. The last time, the, the, there's a news story earlier today, that the last time the dad had spoken with the son was a little over a month ago. And the son was ranting and raving about COVID restrictions, of all things. This was a kid who was bullied growing up, had a lisp and a stutter, was bullied, would say outlandish things, was known to be very off-the-wall and law enforcement were aware of this kid's existence. And no, there, there was nothing, nothing done. There, there were warning signs, there were red flags, but societally, nothing was done. I'm typically against red flag laws because I believe they can be abused, and that can be a, very much a tool that is used to deprive somebody of their constitutional right to possess, to own and possess a firearm. A uh, red flag law is a, is a very, very, uh, very touchy subject when it comes to due process. But there were very clearly signs here that something was amiss. And nothing was done. This is one of those devastating times where we have to look not just at one person's depravity, but how an entire system can fail. Not just that shooter, but all 19 of those kids and the teachers that were killed. The system failed them. The town of Uvalde spends a massive amount of its city budget on law enforcement, and they didn't do their job. And we will never probably fully know just what could have been avoided because the law enforcement of that town lied. They obstructed. They falsified the timeline. They stood in the way of parents who wanted to save their kids when they themselves would not go in and do their job to protect and serve. This is not one of those things where you join in with those on the left who say that that you know all cops are bad. No. This is where you understand that there are flaws in the system and it needs to be fixed. The impact of this shooting will reverberate because it's not gun control. The issue here is not gun control. The issue here is systems that are propped up but never reinforced like they should be. There's not a single gun law that's currently in place or a single gun law that's proposed that would have prevented this from happening. We don't know how the shooter got his guns, which were insanely expensive, and the ammo, which is insanely expensive. And the tactical vest, which isn't cheap either. We don't know how the shooter got the guns and the ammo and the vest. There's no way to know if the laws worked there. But we do know. That the system we currently have is broken. And Uvalde police have proved it. And I don't know what the solution is. And I don't want to I don't want this to turn. I don't want this to be uh, misunderstood as an attack on law enforcement. Again, I work in the Lafayette Parish school system, which in the wake of this is looking at the SRO program that it has in partnership with the sheriff's office. And our SRO program is good program. And there are good school resource officers. They run a good program. And they're working on making that program better. This is not an indictment of school resource officers. This is not an indictment of law enforcement. This is an indictment of a failed system in Uvalde, Texas. And one that if other school districts and other townships don't look hard enough, they're going to miss these blind spots in their systems as well. 232-1542. We're going to take our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, a little bit more on this and the gun control debate, because it all ties in. We're going to have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk ninety six point five KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk ninety six point five KPL. It is great to be with you guys today, and and I'm sorry that you know it. We're it's such a heavy topic, especially going into a holiday weekend. But I don't want it to stay negative the whole time. You know, I, I, let's talk about solutions here, because obviously. You know, there are things even that happen within our own community. You know, we get reports of, say, a gun that is found on a student on campus or, you know, some other incidents that happen, whether it is a bomb threat, whether it's a a, a threat against other students, whether it is a gun that appears on campus. There are things that have happened and continue to happen, and it's And so we need to talk about solutions within our own community. Now, obviously, LPSS and LPSO, the the school system and the sheriff's office, are working on that. We saw the stories that have started coming out today. They are working. And and I'm I'm ready and, and actually, frankly, excited to see what they're going to put out there. Because having seen the SRO program at work firsthand, I know that there are good people running that program. And I know that the school system is taking this very seriously as well. Now, when these issues come up locally, there's basically two separate responses that happen. The first is the disciplinary response, what the school district goes through. So if somebody brings a gun onto campus or for whatever reason, they go through the discipline process. They you know, eventually get sent to uh, the alternative school or to serve out their expulsion And then the the discipline side of that is handled on the law enforcement side. Obviously, law enforcement, the SRO, they, they investigate that. They take statements and everything. They go through the normal channels there. What can we do to prevent these sort of things, though, is the next question. Not just here, but if we look at ideas across the board, the thing you'll find is that at a certain point, there's almost diminishing returns to the safety measures we can put in. You can continue to add safety measure upon safety measure upon safety measure. But at some point, you've gone from schoolhouse to jailhouse. And that is adversely, that that will adversely impact students. That that, uh, socially, emotionally, that will adversely impact students. So that has to be kept in mind. But there are some things that I think, not just here in the community, but nationwide, some policies to look at. Because clearly the gun laws we have didn't work. And the system that was in place in Uvalde, Texas, for example, didn't work either. So what is it that we can do? Dedicated SROs is a great idea, but, but, and, and again, nothing against the SROs here in Lafayette parish, but sometimes a little more is needed. One thing that I think would be a great initiative by the United States Is to reach out to retired veterans, those who have served, those who have been in combat situations and not, you know, turn our schools into a military zone or anything, but just bring them, you know, a jobs program to bring retired veterans who want to work with our schools and keep our schools safe. Bring them on as some of our security people who have been in these situations, who have the right training, who know how to respond in these situations. Give them some law enforcement training and help and get them into our schools to help give them jobs as they acclimate out of military life. That's one thing that we can do to help in some of these situations that we see around the country. Another thing we can see is looking at metal detectors and the like in our schools. That was kind of controversial, both both because of the cost and, again, because of that kind of jailhouse feel you know, how are we checking what schools are bringing in and and what students are bringing into our schools and and without making it, you know, super uh, obstructive to getting into school and getting the day started. We need to look at points of entry. Uh, One of the things the left likes to mock the right, when the, the right says we need a single point of entry the left will say, well, fire marshals are going to, you know, get mad at you about the, and, and they're misunderstanding the point. The point is not one way in, one way out. You need a single point of entry. Everybody who comes onto campus comes in through this one point of entry. But in the ca- in case of emergency, you have multiple points of exit, fire, crisis, evacuation, whatever, multiple points of exit to get students out of the school. But only one point of entry, only one point of entry for anybody coming onto campus, securing our campuses that way to try to make sure that we are limiting who has access to our school grounds. I would not be mad because one of the architectural designs of our schools right now is. More open classrooms. Where we have classroom walls, basically. The, the, the walls are almost entirely window. But they aren't, you know, reinforced glass, shadow-resistant, bullet-resistant glass. They're just windows. And hello. And uh, we need to look at how we can reinforce. So we're keeping, you know, that sunlight coming in and, and that extra kind of mood-affecting space, but make sure that it's not just some easy target for a hostile person on campus, somebody walking around the campus, seeing windows and just firing away. There is so much that we can explore without turning our schoolhouses into jailhouses. And we need to make sure And every time I've talked about our problems in schools, other than this, a lot of folks have called in and said this. Current and retired teachers almost always say the same thing: We need to get better on discipline in our schools. You're absolutely right, by the way. We need to relook at we, we need to look again at the discipline matrix in our schools, because the current discipline structure can be in schools. Yeah, a kid can receive a dozen write ups, but if they're all for different things, the system never really tags that kid as a behavior problem. And it sometimes takes a while for students to be tagged as behavior problems and kids that need to be looked at and reevaluated. But just because of the way the matrix is set up, the the actual digital reporting system there. There are loads of things that we can and should look at, even locally. I'm not saying I'm the guy to give the answers. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm not sitting here dictating to my own employer what they need to do. But there are things that we absolutely should be looking at, not just locally, but across the country, things that we can do. Uh, at, at my site, Red State, where, where I work, where I'm a senior editor, uh, we had a column that was up yesterday that talked about, I think it was Oregon. Oregon implemented metal detectors in schools, and they have not had a gun incident on campus since. That's something to look at. That's why we have these sorts of things, to look at that and have it to where it's not disruptive to students entering the school, but make it to where you get in, you get out, you make sure a kid doesn't have anything dangerous, and you move on. Now, of course, one of the things that we really do need to look at is the family involvement. The shooter in Uvalde, Texas lived with his mom, dad was largely not in his life. I said it this morning, but I'm, I'm going to say it again. I don't mean to sound like one of those socially conservative nuclear family advocate types, because I, I understand that situations for individual families can be different. But there is a lot of data that shows when a young person, particularly a young man, has an active Male role model in their lives, mentally, socially, emotionally, they are healthier kids. And it's important to know that. It's important to know that having the reinforcement of a male father figure, role model, whatever you want to call them. It's important to have that influence in a young person's life. And I'm telling you that as a father, as a teacher, as someone who has coached young men in our community, there's nothing in some of these young people's lives that, that they need more than that male role model reinforcement, some, a male who is there to help them, to be there for them. 232 1542. I'm going to shift into the politics of the day after this. I want to break away from this. Let's end with some good news for today. Let's talk about races that are now being shifted to favoring the GOP. Have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Uh quick note: I want you guys to reach out to me on Twitter at Joe P Cunningham. Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. You can uh, comment on anything I've posted there or send that page a message or reach out to me, joe at redstate.com. And I want you to, because it is Memorial Day weekend, because it is unofficially the first weekend of summer. And I want to know if any of you are barbecuing over the weekend, let me know what you're cooking what your preferred, your go-to recipe is, because I'm going to be doing the same thing. Monday, we've got special programming. So I won't be here. I will be taking Memorial Day off and I will have something in the smoker that day trying to figure out what it is. There's a lot of options. Um, but I will be, I will have something on the smoker and I would like to know what the rest of what you guys, my wonderful audience are cooking as well. So we'll have all that, and maybe on Tuesday when I come back, maybe we'll just take a day and talk about what you guys cooked uh, on the air because this has been a very heavy few days. And I fear it's only going to continue to get worse. This is a news cycle that is just not going to end in, for the foreseeable future. We've got several days ahead on that. especially and Even on a, on a vacation weekend, I think it's going to be ugly. But uh, all of that said, I do want to jump to happy news According to the Cook Political Report, I teased this yesterday, didn't get enough time to go into it. Uh, The Cook Political Report shifts 10 races toward the GOP. Uh, This from Red State's sister site, PJ Media. Uh, Red Tsunami Watch, Cook Political Report shifts 10 races toward the GOP. Uh, Cook Political, which is a a pretty uh, well-respected political analysis group. Uh, 12 House rating changes, all but two in Republicans' direction. The only races that have changed away from the GOP are Young Kim's race in California. Cook only graded that contest from likely R to lean R, which means she can still pull off the win. A Republican in California winning is always a good thing. And Lauren Underwood's race in Illinois, which Cook shifted from leans Democrat to likely Democrat. However, Dave Wasserman, who uh, is another analyst on social media, covers a lot of these races, just looking at these house rating changes. Listen to this. Incumbent Greg Stanton, a Democrat in Arizona's fourth congressional, that race was a likely Democrat and now leans Democrat. I told you about young Kim shifting from likely Republican to lean Republican. That's one of two shifts away from GOP favor. Mike Levin in California, the incumbent Democrat, shifting from a likely Democrat to lean Democrat in that race. Joe Courtney, Democrat in Connecticut, second from solid Democrat to likely Democrat. Connecticut's fifth, Johanna Hayes, likely Democrat to lean Democrat. Lauren Underwood, I've mentioned, goes from lean Democrat to likely Democrat. So her seat is a little bit safe. A vacant seat in Minnesota's first congressional district is now shifting from likely Republican to solid Republican. Dina Titus of Nevada's first congressional district has gone from a lean Democrat to toss-up. That's a big deal. Oregon's fifth, which is an open seat, has gone from lean Democrat to toss-up. Brian Fitzpatrick in Pennsylvania goes from likely Republican to solid Republican. Susan Wilde in Pennsylvania, Democrat in, uh, incumbent, shifting from a toss-up race to a leans Republican race. That's a big one. Pennsylvania is one of those states, if that shifts back to the Republicans, it's bad news for the Democrats. Scott Perry, incumbent Republican in Pennsylvania's 10th, likely Republican to solid Republican. Now, I've had several folks reach out privately and say, why do you talk about these races in other states? You're on a radio station in South Louisiana. Give us more about Louisiana. Well, see, here's the thing. Louisiana does not have a whole lot of political action going on right now. You're not seeing much movement in the congressional races. So we can't, I I can't really use Louisiana and its federal races, congressional and Senate races as much of a way to explain what's happening in the political tides. But in order to explain to you what's happening at the federal level and how it could affect you here in Louisiana, we have to look at some of these other state races. We have to understand that the Cook Political Report getting attacked by Democrats for saying that Georgia's gubernatorial race has gone from toss up to leans Republican is a big deal. Because Democrats are freaking out that this state, they were so certain they could flip because of demographics, is now looking more and more safely Republican. I can guarantee you that Georgia is going to flip from likely Republican, uh, from leans Republican to likely Republican. The polling does not look good for Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams and her brand of progressivism is sinking Democrats across the country. You look at these other races I've mentioned, races in California, Connecticut, Illinois, Minnesota, Nevada, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Arizona, not I mean, Arizona is kind of a purple state. It has some strong Republican leanings, but it because of the GOP's terrible management there, not the not the, the politicians, but the actual political party, the state political party of 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 Arizona is filled with whack jobs. But despite that, Republicans are gaining momentum in Arizona. In California, you have a Democratic seat in, California, in California's 49th district. Shifting, uh, shifting from likely Democrat to lean Democrat. There is momentum, y'all. It's a red tsunami watch. This is a big deal. Why is it happening? The Democrats have decided to go all in on their assumption that they are in the right. When you consider all the talking points after you've all everything I've told you from today and what's their talking point, we have to take away guns. That's where Bill Cassidy is falling into a trap when he says, yeah, we should have these discussions. He wants to have discussions with a group of people that's that want to go from red flag laws and universal background checks to a national, uh, to a national gun registry. And if Bill Cassidy doesn't go all the way their way, he's still going to be attacked by people he wants to curry favor with. He's falling into a trap and he's sacrificing his own conservative credentials, whatever he has left for it. The Democrats, all they can think is the only solution is gun control because they poll the question, do you favor more gun restrictions? Why, yes, I do. And I also want chocolate chip cookies every night for dinner. I would also like a million dollars in my bank account. That's how silly that question is. Do you favor more gun restrictions for the safety of our students? Absolutely, yes. And then you start asking the voters, well, do you favor National Gun Registry? Well, no. Do you, uh, do you favor banning this gun? Uh, not really. Do you favor... Uh, Do you uh, favor expanding background checks? Uh, Make it more difficult for me to get a gun? Uh, Not really, no. You start asking the actual policy questions, all of a sudden that support drops. And the Democrats know this, and part of them know that they're doing a rhetorical exercise here, but they also actually believe their own press. They also actually believe their own hype. Same on the abortion issue. Chuck Schumer, in response to the potential overturning of Roe versus Wade, put up for a vote in the Senate, abortion on demand, abortion right up until the child fully exits the birth canal. That is the most extreme position on abortion there is and force all Senate Democrats to vote on that. It's all or nothing with them. They are unable to see how extreme they are and how they're pushing a likely dim seat to a leans dim seat. And as a result, the red tsunami is coming. I'm going to take a three-day weekend. I hope y'all do, too. I will talk to you again on Tuesday. In the meantime, barbecue well, my friends, if you're going to be doing so this weekend. I will be. I'll share my recipe with y'all on Facebook, Twitter, and wherever I can catch up with y'all. Be sure to check out the podcast version of the show on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Talk to you guys again real soon. Here on The Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL.